Welcome to the Eater Upsell, everybody. Helen here. Greg's right over there. And hey. with us is Aisha Curry. Hey, Aisha. Hi. Greg and I are super excited to talk to you about your exploding lifestyle empire and your super cute kids and <laughs> your moderately famous husband. <laughs> but before we talk to you about all of those things, a reminder, if you're not already subscribed to the Eater Upsell, hit subscribe on your device. And if you are subscribed, pat yourself on the back for being an awesome person. And, you know, tell a friend or two about what Greg and I are doing over here and how cool it is. Okay, we got that out of the way. Aisha Curry, we are focused on you. Welcome to the Eater Upsell Studios. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited. We're super excited to have you here. Thank you. You have so much going on. I do. You also have a meal delivery kit. I do. I'm so excited about it. Um, We just launched recently. It's called Homemade, and it's family-inspired meals by me. And I'm just really excited because it's something new and it's something fresh. Um, You know, there's a million meal kit companies out there, but we are different. How are you different? We are different because we are family-focused. A lot of the meal kit companies out there are focused on couples. Um, They're focused on making people... Um, more experienced chefs. There's so many steps. And so for us, you know, it's about getting that meal on the table and being able to feed your family or feed your friends and get it done in a flash. And so we've kept everything to like 12 ingredients or less. Um, Everything can be done in about six steps. Um, And the meals are quick and easy. Um, You know, they're very approachable, comforting, classic food. Um, with a twist, because I have a, an international background, so we we channel from different places. Um, but at the end of the day, um, for me, I have two little ones, and one of the biggest problems for me um, is being able to actually finish cooking dinner. And so my brother is an illustrator, and he created this amazing cookbook, which I actually have one to show you. I'll show you after. His own cookbook? Um, I mean, or cookbook. Coloring book. Coloring book. Oh, um, cool. For the kids. And so it's it's amazing. Every week, it's a new story about the food. So everything relates back to the food. So the kids are learning something. We, is this in your meal kit? Yeah. Is the coloring it comes book? inside of the box. We have um, markers for them provided by UB, and it's, it's just a like whole going experience. going to a restaurant and getting, like, literally, like, yes. getting the crayons and the coloring menu. <laughs> yes, Which is the best part. Is the idea behind the uh, coloring book that they'll both learn about the food, but also stay occupied while you can finish cooking? Exactly, yes. That's brilliant. Yeah, I love to cook with my kids, but there are those days when it's just not happening, and so that's where the coloring book comes in. It occupies the kids just enough time for you to get the meal done. I'm really interested in the logistics of putting Mm -hmm. together a meal kit (laughs) brand. I mean, I think, like, meal kits are everywhere. There have been so many people who are in favor of it. There have been a lot of people who have been weirdly opposed mm-hmm. to it. And then there have been a lot of people who've been opposed to it for what I think are like rational reasons of packaging and stuff like Absolutely. that. But I think there's been very little conversation about like, I don't know, where do you start? Like when you, mm-hmm. Aisha Curry, are like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make a meal kit. Mm-hmm. How do you decide what recipes go into it? How does the logistics and the packing and the shipping and the... So it's, it is a process. It <laughs> took us about a year and our team is super small, but mighty. Um, and so everybody worked very closely um, to figure everything out. Um, and, you know, we, we definitely partnered with somebody that has experience, but everything's been all me um, from 
from start to start to startup, I guess, <laughs> right? Because Is that the name of a book? That should be the name of a book. It should be. From start to startup. Ooh. It's like such a good light bulbs going self-empowering, off. Self-empowering. Yes. Be your own entrepreneur. Yes. Paperback guide. Um, the biggest thing for me, especially as a millennial, is I feel like we shop with purpose. Um, and so for me, putting my foot down um, as the, this girl boss was like making sure our ingredients are coming from um, reliable sources and like we're getting to know the farmers and we're getting to know where our stuff is coming from. And I don't want anything delivered to somebody's doorstep that I wouldn't myself cook for my family. And so that's that's been really, really huge for me and just the integrity of our company because I shop with companies that, you know, have integrity and and that I'm proud to shop from. And so that was important for me. Um, a give back was really important for me. Um, and so, you know, we've partnered um, with UB, who I'm, I'm, um, I'm a partner with Cheeky and UB is their parent company. And UB is basically, they make all sorts of school supplies. So everything from markers to crayons. And so the, the markers that are in the box are from UB and their whole motto, they're a one for one company. So you buy one, we give one um, to schools in need, kids in need. And so there's a give back aspect. Um, we're looking at ways to partner with No Kid Hungry. I'm a big No Kid Hungry ambassador. And so we're trying to figure out what's the most um, logical way to be able to partner with them. And so that's coming. Um, but that was a really important thing for me. Um, cause I know business is about profit, but for me, it was also about feeling good. Um, so, so that was huge for me. Um, and then just the business side of things. So cost of your food, the size box shipping, how quickly it's getting to people, the fact that your ingredients have to stay cold and they have to stay cold at a certain temperature. So we had to take all of those things into account and it, it really was a crazy process. I've, I've learned so much um, and I'm still learning. Um, Did you have to like, you know, sit down with five different box samples and decide which one made the right sense to ship it? Or? We, Yeah, we kind of played around with our packaging a little bit and how we were keeping things cold on the inside of the box. Um, and we started in one direction and ended up in a completely different direction. <laughs> and so it definitely, it definitely was a process um, and just, you know, I've gotten handfuls of tester boxes to make sure things were staying cold with like temperature trackers. It it was a whole thing. There were days where I'd be so mad because it didn't show up the way that I wanted, but it was all part of the process and we we finally got there. So speaking of Instagram, you got a you got a crazy awesome Instagram account and you know, you're a power user, I think. What are your rules of thumb? Like is there anything like you will never do? Is there anything like that you you think you really like to do on Instagram? Like what's your approach? Yeah, I think for me, the rule is to, and this is in life, like the rule is to have no rules, right? I'm not mm. going to set rules for myself. Um, I have, right? Like we don't put a ceiling on ourselves. There's no ceiling guys. But um, I think for me, I started out very transparent and that's been my whole thing. I, I hate anything preconceived. I hate, oh, I hate when I, I go on Instagram and you can just tell, like, it's been so plotted and ployed and planned. And that's just not me. I, I, if I, if something makes me happy, I want to share it. Um, if something makes me upset, I want to share it. Um, if I think something's cool, I'll share it. Um, and when I do stuff with a brand, 
it always has to make sense. I never sell myself short. Um, it always has to make sense. But I think staying true to yourself is is the only rule, I guess, right, if there's a rule. For people in your position or who mm-hmm. sort of have these public lifestyle lives, but mm-hmm. also you have a husband who is arguably somewhat famous, mm-hmm. and you have kids who are have their own fan bases. Like your whole family is very public with your reality of your lives. And do you ever sort of wonder where the wall for that will be? Is there a moment where you might think, you know, this is all happening too much on a stage? Absolutely. Um, And I think I think that most importantly comes with with the kids, right? Because where my husband and I are in positions now where we know that that's that's just how it's going to be. But our kids are kids. And so we've kind of made it a point to let our kids be kids. And and that's it. But I'm not going to, I mean, my kids make me so happy. So I'm not going to stop like posting pictures of them on Instagram. And then anyway, when you do that, people are like, well, what's happening? What's going on? And then they're even more interested. So again, just staying true to myself. And It and feels like you can't really win you can't, either way. No, you, like, you will never make 100% of the, the population happy. Do you, you know? read the comments? Um, sometimes I do. I get a kick out of them, actually. Um, so sometimes I will. Um when I first post, I'll just be like, well, what are they, what are they saying? Uh, and I mean, if you're ever bored, it's quite entertaining. Just, it, I've, I've, um, I will sometimes, you know, you have what, 4 million plus Instagram followers, yeah. like more than the population of most American cities yeah. follow you on Instagram. <laughs> and I will sometimes wade into the comments of like mega users mm-hmm. like you, and there'll be, you know, 13,000 comments mm-hmm. on these posts and whole narratives play out in there. It's people like have soap conversations operas. within like the comments with other people and like fans will get into arguments with like uh, naysayers. It's it's entertaining. It's, it's like so a new pastime or something to kind of s- yeah. stay down there on one of these no, it's like these in, a photo or something. entire worlds. Like people <laughs> will like fall in love and like fall out of love. I'm sure. It's I believe in my heart that there is at least one married couple in the world who met in the comment section oh of a celebrity Instagram gosh. post. There oh, has that'd to be. be a good poll to take. Like, did you meet your true love by commenting that you didn't like my shirt on my you Instagram post yeah. It would be incredible. And then the people who get so mad at each other. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating. So Aisha, were you someone who grew up as like a natural food person? Were you somebody that gravitated towards cooking or did that, did you come to food and cooking later in life? I've, I've loved food since I was a little girl. So I, it all came about so naturally though. I, I say this all the time, but I was the kid that like, I didn't fall asleep to cartoons. I fell asleep to watching Emerald and Rachel Ray and like Food Network was always my jam. Did you ever dream about them? Always. I was always dreaming about, about Like literally food. at night? Yeah. I I mean, and I like, I wake up, I go to sleep thinking about what I'm going to eat when I wake up and I wake up thinking about what I'm going to eat and make for dinner. It's like, it's a whole, it's a whole process. And so I really started getting into cooking when I was 12 because um, that's when my parents would let me, you know, man the stove. Um, and like my 13th birthday, I had a cooking party. Um, so What'd you make? I, we made 
all sorts of things like mango shrimp, spaghetti. Like we did a whole, a whole dining table spread of food. I had my friends over. We just cooked the day away. My parents were so thoughtful to go to um, our like wholesale grocery store and get me everything you could imagine. But it's like an advanced spread for a 13 year old. It, it was. Yeah. Mango, I, I don't know if but, I was eating mango shrimp when I was 13. Yeah. No, I don't think we, I had a mango until I was like 19 <laughs> at least. You know? Well, I, I grew up in a Jamaican household. So mangoes are like Mangoes are the thing. Yeah. <laughs> there. So um, I've, I've loved it for all my life. It's always been a passion of mine, and I've always done it. Um, and I grew up in a household of five kids right in the middle of everybody. Um, and my way to kind of carry my weight, I just loved to cook for everybody. Um, dinner, breakfast, lunch, you name it. Um, but nobody mentioned to me that food could be my career path. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of had to figure it out for myself. Um, and I started my blog after I had my first daughter, and it was all things lifestyle. And then I realized people were gravitating for the f- towards the food and really loving the food that I was putting up. And then I'd have my friends texting me, asking me for recipes, and my even my mom asking me how to make things. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like, I can really do this. And so I've just been trucking along ever since, and I couldn't be happier. It's like they say, you know, pick a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And it's, it's been amazing. So between the cookbook, the meal kit, you have your Food Network show, which is in its second season. Yes. Which, is that filmed in your actual home? Yeah, it was. We moved recently, but the first two seasons were filmed in our actual house. What was that like? <laughs> it, <laughs> it had its ups and its downs, its positives and its Tremendous negatives. <laughs> I, you know, initially, first of all, I'm such a homebody. I love being at home. I Pajamas are, besides food, pajamas are my favorite thing in the whole world. And so, you know, when I was told I could film this at home, I was like, well, yes. And I'll get to be home with my girls and I'll get to see them on my breaks. No. It was a nightmare because I would hear the girls crying and then we'd have to wait for them to settle down. And then I couldn't actually see them all day because I didn't have as many breaks as I thought I would. And so now I know, right? It's been a learning experience. I know next time around, you know, if I get a third season, we'll definitely um, do it in another house. That sounds kind of stressful. Like usually the home (laughs) is the place you go to escape from work. Right, it's the refuge at the end of the day. I didn't know. I thought I could have the best of both worlds. So I, I, I learned my lesson. Entirely, but your kitchen on the show is gorgeous. Thank you. I mean, it's uh, did you? It, and it is also a perfect TV kitchen. Like, yeah. was that on purpose? I, yeah, I remodeled it with. I'm the girl who like lives on a dream, right? So I I write things down and I sleep with it under my pillow. I'm always praying like that things are going to happen, and I kind of live in this little bubble. I say it on my my Instagram, like my little indestructible bubble of happiness, and. I mean, obviously, nobody's happy 100% of the time, but I try and I try and like just live on my dream. And so I did it in hopes of getting having a, a show, whether it was for my YouTube channel or what. Um, if you built it, they will come. Yeah. Right. And I did it and it, it happened. And so it's been great. I wanted a light, bright kitchen, even for photographing the, f- the food for my book and um, for, for my blog. Um, I knew I needed the clean white countertops and it needed <laughs> to be light and airy. So I did it. Um, and of course, now we've moved out of that house. It was it hurt me to, to leave the kitchen. Um, but the kids needed a yard to run around. So how's your kitchen in the move. new place? I love it. It's great. It's not it's not like my 
my show kitchen, but it's um, it's a great kitchen. So do you, you in the book in your blah, uh, sorry <laughs> um, <laughs> in your cookbook you talk a lot about cooking with your kids yeah which is great but I I don't know I don't have kids Greg has a mm-hmm. has a, a little cute one but I <laughs> I love one. kids but I feel like cooking with kids to me feels like it's maybe not cooking it's like an activity I'm doing with my kids that resembles cooking yeah but maybe they are so in the way so they're definitely in the way it's definitely stressful but the memories that you're building for them outweigh the mess that's going to be made and the stress that you're going to have i mean just pour a glass of wine like it'll <laughs> you get through it but parenting the, advice yes but i I mean, my daughter cooks dinner with me all the time. She recipe tests with my sister when my sister um, does the blog testing with me. And so what that does for her is just unmatched. It it makes your children feel empowered. It makes them feel excited and accomplished. I mean, it's something as simple as like letting them put a cup of flour in the bowl or letting them crack an egg. You're going to have to pull some shell out, but it's okay. Like everything will be fine. Um, but the reason why my biggest Um, piece of advice for parents is to cook with their kids is because there are a tremendous amount of studies that show that if you cook with your kids, they're more apt to eat whatever it is they've made with you. Oh, because they're invested in Exactly. They feel like, you know, it's a piece of them. And I'm telling you, 99% of the time it works for me. Everything from a green smoothie, letting them press that button on the blender. I mean, it makes them so happy and excited. If I gave my daughter a green smoothie, um, that I just purchased from the store and made on my own and she wasn't there, she would not drink it. But if she has a hand in it, she's gulping it down and saying it's delicious even if she doesn't old, quite think how it's old delicious. Are your, uh, how old are your daughters? So their their birthdays are in July. So um, she's my oldest is almost five or four and free quarters, as she says. Four and and <laughs> my other daughter, Ryan, she's 21 months, so almost two. I'm that mom. And you cook with the twenty-one month year old? No, like so kind of, she not yet, not yet. no, so she she she's getting to the point actually where she wants to help. Um, and it happened overnight, but she I put her in her high chair and give her some of the raw veggies that we were cooking with, or some of the fruit, and she eats and watches. She's she's she has a much more uh, calm spirit than my my oldest daughter does. So she's happy just sitting there. And my daughter, she has kid-friendly knives. So she does everything from the chopping to the cracking of the eggs to, and, and it, I'm not going to lie, like it gets really stressful, <laughs> but um, it's one just of, our thing. One of my do. favorite moments in your cookbook is you have this Q&A interlude with Riley. <laughs> it's the cutest thing in the entire world. Like it's this whole like, you know, you ask a question, she yeah. has an answer, and you're like, Riley, what's your favorite food? And she's like, fish. And you're like, no, it's not. No. You're lying to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lying to me in the pages of my cookbook, my daughter. <laughs> I was like, we'll just put it in there. Let's just keep it real. But it was so cute. She's so much older now, too. It's crazy. Yeah, five is real. <sighs> five is real. I'm going to cry my eyes out. Kindergarten. That's like, I mean— I feel like I have memories of mm-hmm. my life at that age, yeah. you know, and the idea of like, oh, you're a small human with a <sighs> consciousness and identity. Yeah. I remember everything from my first day of kindergarten on. Wow. Mm-hmm. I remember making my first friend, everything. So I was looking back. It's, it seems like you've had like a really crazy busy year, you know, mm-hmm. between the book and the show mm-hmm. and everything. And one of the projects that you did that seems like another huge endeavor was this barbecue pop-up with Michael yeah. Nina. 
Yeah. Uh, so every time I see a pop-up, I know that that is so much work and <laughs> they're very unusual and sometimes they're very awesome events. So mm-hmm. just kind of curious, how did that happen? Like, how did you get into it and what was that experience like? Um, so Michael Mina, right? Renowned chef. I mean, he has over 31 restaurants, James Beard award winning. Like I would have never in my life thought that he would even have thought about doing anything with me. And I went into his restaurant after a meeting one day and he happened to be there. And I'm such a weirdo. If I find somebody that I admire or feel is so inspirational and I need advice from them, I'll just ask. Like, I don't even, I didn't know him from Timbuktu and I just started (laughs) going in on the questions. Um, But I feel like that's, if you want to get into business and you want to be successful, I feel like that's what you need to do. You need to take risks, ask questions. Um, so I did that and we ended up having a lot of similarities um, from the fact that, you know, I, I'm from Canada, but I mean, people, it's so close. People, you know, don't always consider it two different places, but it's the States and Canada. I mean, it's two different places. And I moved to the States when I was 14 and it was a big culture shock for me. So we related on, on that. And then just our style of cooking, why we fell in love with cooking. Um, and so I basically, he did these amazing pop-ups or these amazing um, tailgates at the um, the Levi Stadium after the football games. And he always has a guest chef um, there with him. And so I basically made him a bet. And I was like, listen, Super Bowl's coming up and it looks like my Panthers have a shot. Like if the Panthers go to the Super Bowl, can we cook together? And he was like, yes, absolutely. And I, I, I assumed he was like blowing smoke, no pun intended. And he hit me up and was like, let's do it. And so we cooked together at the tailgate. And then he said, we've got to, we've got to do something together. And so we sat and we talked about concepts and we, we said, you know, what's, what's more, what's more family than a barbecue, right? And so we came up with the idea of doing international smoke because we both have diverse backgrounds and we had our pop-up for five, almost six months, and we were actually the busiest restaurant in the city. That's amazing. Yeah. We did like four turnovers a night. Wow. Um, and we all, yeah, we, our first month sold out within seven minutes. Holy crap. Yeah. It was really exciting. And so we've made it a real thing now. We open um, International Smoke Hawaii, um, which is a, a food hall experience. We open. We open that um, May 19th and then LA opens in the fall and then there's going to be an announcement next week of somewhere else opening, but I can't say what, (laughs) but I'm really excited. I'm really excited. So you're a restaurateur on top of everything else now too. Yeah. The pop-up experience though, our kitchen is so small at that test kitchen. I mean, it's tiny. And so I I had the best experience possible because I've experienced something about as small as it could get without being on a food truck. Sure. And I was really in the kitchen working the line, doing everything, and that I was exhausted. I was hot. I, you know, I wanted to really experience everything from working front of house to the bar to um, to the back kitchen, everything. And so I did it, and it was one of the most fulfilling experiences of my life. I fell in love with it. Um, was it your first time working in a restaurant? I, I used to, I, when I was a teenager, I worked at a frozen yogurt shop. Um, but that, kind <laughs> that counts. Of, yeah. That and counts. handing food yeah. to people in exchange and, for money. Yeah. And a farmer's market on the weekends. Oh, what um, did you sell at the farmer's market? I sold vegan soul food. Wow. <laughs> Do you remember your sales pitch? Yeah. So I had to sell, um, something called, um, <laughs> Brazilian nut meat chili. <laughs> 
That's a great name. <laughs> Sells itself. And all right. Yeah. And I wasn't vegan at all, but the, the chili was actually delicious. And so I had to sell this Brazilian nut meat chili and I did a great job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about the frozen yogurt? The frozen yogurt um, was great. I really got turned off by frozen yogurt, though, because they didn't do such a great job of, of cleaning the machines. I was the only one. My friend Amber and I, who I met at the job, we were the only ones that were really particular about cleaning out the frozen yogurt machines. Um, so needless to say, I always did the green tea frozen yogurt. So I ate a lot of green tea frozen yogurt because it's the only one that I could rely on. That was like your machine that you <laughs> cleaned. Yeah. Do you go into frozen yogurt places now or are you are you skeptical of the I actually am a little skeptical. Yeah. yeah, I'm a little skeptical. I'll, I'll do it every once in a while. You can't, I mean, you always get a craving for it, right? Like you see it, it looks so delicious. So one thing I understand about the Food Network is that like there are these really diehard fans. And I mean, I especially pick up on that if you go to like this one of their food festivals, like the New York one or the South Beach one. Yeah. Um, there are these diehards. And you already had a lot of fans uh, out in the world before you were on the Food Network. But I'm just kind of curious, have you noticed a sort of different response or kind of a new, uh, do you feel like you have like a, you know, a different kind of fan base now? Or like what's what's um, your gauge in the fan appreciation level there? So I've, I've actually noticed um, since the book came out, so since going on my book tour, um, it was Instagram. I had a certain demographic. And then once the show and the book, the show and the book came out at the same time. And so once that happened, I noticed a shift. So my demographic was always one thing. Mm-hmm. And then I, I guess, I guess my book was my way of like putting a stake in the ground and like marking my territory. Um, and I noticed a shift. So going through my book tour, I got to meet all sorts of people, but the demographic was so broad and that made me so happy. So there was, there was men, there was women, there were all different nationalities. There were, there were older women, younger women, um, moms and their daughters, dads and their daughters, grandmas. Like it was, it was so cool. So I think that was really interesting for me to see that I hopefully appeal to a variety of people. I thought that was really, really cool and really rewarding. The way that you speak to people when you're speaking through cookbooks changes the conversation a little bit. Yeah. I think when it was just Instagram, it was just my blog, like people, people always, you know, they create this version of you that they, they, they create this mold of who they think that you are. And it's been really cool to be able to share and show who I actually am. Um, Especially, you know, with the basketball aspect of our lives, people people never know what's going to walk into a room. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really fun to surprise people. There is that <laughs> existing stigma. I was going to say stereotype, yeah. but of like the basketball wife. Yeah. Which is fascinating. I mean, we don't, at least in the U.S., we don't really have the blank wife for other sports. Yeah, you know? it's weird, right? And in the U.K., there's... You know, all the soccer, football players Mm -hmm. have like... Football. Isn't there like a show called Footballers Wives or something? Yeah. They have an acronym, the the WAGs, the Wives and Girlfriends. I just think that's the strangest thing I've ever heard. I I just think it's so strange. (laughs) I don't know. I... I've never considered myself a basketball wife. Like, I would never put that label on myself, but it's amazing how many people are quick to put that label on me. But I've never owned that or taken it into consideration. It's actually the worst thing I could hear. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, but so you and you and your husband have been together 
forever-ish. Yeah, we've For- known each other forever-ish since I was 14 and he was 15. We've been together since I was 19. And so in many respects, your story is different than the stories of yeah. a lot of other basketball players and yeah. their wives. Yeah, definitely. Is he a food guy? Is he like... He wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't at all. He was a... The look on your face. I just, sorry, I need to clarify for our audio <laughs> listeners who cannot see your face when you're like, he wasn't. Like, <laughs> that was such a face of like, that was a wife face. I know that face. I have made that face before. <laughs> <laughs> no, he really wasn't. He was like, when when we first started dating, he was like... Oh, you went to the grocery store. You didn't get the Red Baron pizza. I'm like, no, I didn't. I don't. I did not get the Red Baron pizza. <laughs> he's like, he's he's like, he was like a Red Baron pizza, anywhere pizza. Pizza's great, but not every day. He was a chicken tenders, um, ramen noodle guy. Okay, but not like the good ramen, like the jam packed, so, yes, salty. the one minute, the one minute, the, the one minute, the joints. six packs for a dollar. Yes, and they're delicious. They're I love great, them, but not every day, yeah. right? So he was a true college man in in every sense of the word. Um, he wouldn't eat sushi. He'd never tried it a day in his life. Um, but he saw how much I loved food and how passionate I was. And he never um, he never shied away from trying anything. And now I feel like his palate is broader than mine is. It's incredible. He will try anything. The student has surpassed the master. Yeah. He's good at everything. It's, That's really it's annoying. It's gross. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I just like he <laughs> <laughs> yesterday. So I've been traveling for quite a while and I cannot wait to get back home to my family. Um, and he's really been holding down the fort yesterday. And this is one of the scariest thoughts in my life to do on my own is to take both kids to the movies by myself. He took both kids to the movies by himself and had the best time. Wow. What movie? Bo- Boss Baby. Okay. What was his snack strategy? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Pizza, buttery popcorn, and candy. Wait, he got movie theater pizza? Mm-hmm. I've literally never known anybody ever to get the pizza mm-hmm. at the movie theater. Yeah, oh, I mean, he did it. I told you he loves pizza. Does he lo- <laughs> but it, it sounds like he loves Terrible pizza, mm-hmm. which is its own beautiful form of pizza. True. Like it's a distinct entity, mm-hmm. but this is. He gave it to the kids. So that's definitely why they were sitting nicely through the movie and why when I FaceTimed them when they got home, they were bouncing off the wall. <laughs> uh, as someone who has never taken a 21 year old to the movie, that sounds like a great challenge as well as a 21 year old. I'm sorry, month. not 21 month. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, Greg, I feel like surely you must have dated in the I past. might not I have ever taken a 21 year old to the movies <laughs> either, as a matter of fact. I was somewhat of a shy lad. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I saw movies all the time. But no, that sounds like a, quite a difficult uh, kind of parenting challenge to take two young children to the movies. Yeah, and he did it. Get them did he, hesitation. Stuff, did no he know it was hard going into it? Like, is this one of those things where, like, he yeah. didn't realize this yeah, was going to be? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was just like beginner's luck. I got through the whole movie, though. I, it's incredible. Yeah. So if you guys have, like, a night off um, and this, you know, the world is just open to you, do you choose to cook at home? Do you go out to eat? You live in the Bay Area, great food, you know, restaurant city. We choose to cook at home. A lot of times what we'll do is after games, um, if we have a sitter, we will go to dinner and do like a late night dinner. And that's always super fun in the city because there are so many places. But when we get a moment to just be at home, it's the best thing in the world. What's your favorite thing to make on like a special occasion or something? Um, I, on a special occasion, I love doing lamb and scallops. 
Um, I love doing um, – I, I do like a spiced rub chicken with a parsley mint sauce and cilantro lime rice and – Everybody loves that. They always request it. If we're having new guests over, that's usually what I'm making for them. Um, we pair it with a nice bottle of wine. We've gotten into wine lately a lot and just, like, figuring out the different regions. And, you know, with the restaurants, like, I, I, I want the pairings to be perfect. Um, and so I've, I've really gotten into to, um, trying different wines lately. Um, California that, or, you know, Europe? We we took a trip to I, – I love both, um, but they're both so different, right? Um, like Napa, Portland. Napa, Portland wines tend to be a little sweeter, um, and French wines are – and German wines are are a little bit more oaky and pungent, and I love that. We, we took a tri- trip to France for our five-year wedding anniversary this summer, and um, the wine was so different. I was amazed, um, and so we've – kind of fallen in love with both. So you've lived, you grew up in Toronto. Yeah. moved to, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Our AP Dan is from that city and he always reminds me that I'm not supposed to say the second T. You're from Toronto. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's how it's pronounced. Toronto. Toronto. And like Toronto. It's like Toronto. (laughs) Anyway, you're from that city in Canada. (laughs) And then you moved to North Carolina. I did. And now you live in the Bay Area. Yes. Those are three wildly different yeah, culinary culture. Triangle yeah. there. Yeah. So in a sense, though, San Francisco and Toronto are very similar, um, which I think is why I love living in the Bay so much. You get a little bit of everything. There's so many different people there. It's like little New York. You get so many different people there. So many um, styles of cooking. So many different styles of food. There's not just one thing there. North Carolina, obviously, you have Southern food. Um, they say everything's bigger in Texas, but everything's bigger in North Carolina too. Like portion sizes. No, people don't count calories there. I mean, there's no need to count calories. I do it sometimes when I'm like trying to lose this baby weight. But um, <laughs> other than that, I don't care. Um, so moving to North Carolina as a 14-year-old was culture like everything from school lunches was just like what it what is sweet tea? Yeah. What is sweet tea? Sweet tea is not tea, it's sugar. Yeah. With I a think hint it's a of fair lemon. <laughs> Why did your family move there? So my mom, so my mom's Jamaican, um, but she grew up in Canada. And every summer we had an, have an uncle and an aunt there. So we would go and um, visit them or cousins, actually, um, we would go and visit them every summer. My mom fell in love with it, and they always wanted to move there because she was tired of the cold. Sure. And so I told them, like, if we're going to do it, like, I'm not switching high school, so we need to do it before I move, <laughs> before I start high school. And so that's a good ultimatum. they actually yeah. did it. That's, wow. Yeah, that's the only reason. There's, like, really no other I mean, I feel like even switching, like, school districts as a 14-year-old is impossible right. because Switched that age is countries. the most intense thing. and. Yeah. Switching countries yeah. is huge. But you then met the man who would become your husband. Yes, so so weird. that was cool. So weird. One of the first people I met moving there. Wow. So strange. <laughs> yeah. Where so you're just you like, hey, think... America. Oh, who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> hey, America. Oh, husband. Great. Done. Cool. Got here. We're <laughs> yeah. cool. Where yeah. do you think his life would be if he had never met you? I have no idea. We talk about that sometimes. Um, but we we talk about that sometimes, like every couple of years. And I'm like, I just when new new shifts start to happen, right? Um, and we have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. 
That's a, I mean, it's a great question. I don't really have an answer for it. I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't know if I, I hope I would have found food, you know, still. Um, I have no idea. I'm sure he would have dated a lot of girls. That would have been, <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> you don't think he would have but, been a good dater? No. No? He mm-hmm. doesn't have the one thing he's not great at, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were great dating. Sure. But I'd like to think that it was just because it was us, right? Ha <laughs> This is some heavy stuff. It's like, what was that is Gwyneth it? Paltrow movie? Was it Sliding Doors? Sliding Doors, yeah. I like, never think about Different people walked in through the sliding doors. Or oh my God. every time she walked through the sliding door, it was a different situation. No, this is this amazing movie. It's from like How the early 2000s. This? And it's... Oh, that's why. And she it's the movie of the iconic Gwyneth Paltrow haircut where she like gets the sort of mm, like mm-hmm. longer in front, really short in the back kind of thing. It happens in the movie, but... Kind of like this. But like more, like the more. almost the like posh like spice, exactly. like oh, super yes. angled. Because yes. it's like 2001 yes. when that haircut was yes. a thing. But so the premise of the movie is that she is this, you know, like Gwyneth Paltrow and she lives in London and her husband or boyfriend is cheating on her in the opening scene of the movie. Mm. And it suddenly splits and she catches him and then it runs the same scene again and she doesn't Yikes. catch him. And then the whole movie follows the two paths. The two different lives. Of like... If she gets home in time to yeah. catch him in the act, or if she gets home right after, like I'm, ends. I need to watch that. That sounds amazing. It's one of my favorite movies that of all amazing. time. It's so good. It's so good. so weird. It's but it's you know like she in in the scenario where she catches him, she falls yeah. in love with this other guy, and her life becomes wonderful. And yeah. like, but it is that you but know then, I, when you're with someone for a really long time, your lives grow together. Yeah, I truly believe that. Um, I truly believe that. You know, I'm his biggest supporter. He's mine. He's my biggest encourager. So I think we both lift each other up and make each other better. But you know, you know, what I was just thinking. I'm like, but there aren't two paths, right? There's only one. And what 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 happens happens. And I truly believe everything happens for a reason. So that's 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 my answer to that. So if we're talking about sort of metaphysical things and what ifs, you've already like you got a TV show, meal kit, books restaurant, what would be the next, what would be the next thing? Well, I'm super excited. I have my cookware launching in the fall. We've been working on that for a year. So I'm really excited. Everything from pots and pans to cast iron to serveware to knives to um, utensils. I am so excited. I can't say where it's going to be yet, but I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be announced soon. That's Um, a major, sounds like a major thing. I don't even know how you start something like that, you know? it's a big deal. Um, it's the same company that does, you know, William Sonoma Private Label and Heston and Rachel Ray's um, cookware. So I'm, I'm really, really excited, and I feel honored and kind of in like pinch me mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't believe it's happening, and I'll believe it when I see it. You know, um, but it's happening. <laughs> I'm really excited. So now that you are ascending to the the upper echelons, echelons. I don't know how to say that, that word. So I think that was the upper it. thing of professional domestic mm-hmm. goddesses. Mm-hmm. I think is the official term, right? Yeah. Who are your icons in that world? Are you a Martha gal? Are you an Ina gal? I don't think I'm a Martha girl, um, but I do have a story. I was a Martha girl when I was a little girl. My best friend, Shireen, and I, we were in middle school. So this is still when I'm living in, in Canada. And we always vowed to each other 
that, you know, if if we didn't get married um, or have boyfriends or whatever, that we were going to live together, have an apartment together, um, and our apartment was going to be decked out and had to do Martha Stewart. And that's when her stuff was in Kmart. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, like, we loved Kmart. And you couldn't get Kmart in Canada, so it was, like, the big thing whenever we'd drive over to Buffalo. Um New York, <laughs> Buffalo, New York. We'd go like, to the Kmart. Look at all the Martha stuff at Kmart. And so we were like, we're gonna deck it out. And that never happened. But from a from a business standpoint, um, um, and I think an approachability standpoint, I love Rachel Ray. And so she is my do-it-all queen, like kind of icon. I love the brand she's built for herself. She's taken me under her wing and treated me so well from the start before anybody really knew who I was. And I I hold that very special and dear to my heart. She is cool. She's super dope. She has a line of pet food. She does. And um, a lot of um, like dog trainers and things like that are are actually using her. It's called, I think it's called Nutrish. Nutrish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My, we, we got a puppy a few months ago and our our trainer suggested that we use it. I was Amazing. like, oh my God, celebrity chef dog she, food. Done. I mean, but she, she, I take her word on it. She loves her dog babies. Loves them. So. It's cool. Well, I. I understand that you do an Ina Garten impression. What? Told. Who told you this? I, I have I have sources that I cannot what? reveal. I love Ina. And at Food Network, Ina's like Ina is queen. She oh. she's like people start sweating when Ina comes around. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to meet her, but obviously I've watched her over the years. I love watching her over the years. Um, I love how meticulous she is. But everything is always like we're going to make tuna salad today. And you're like, okay, we're making tuna salad. And she's like, you need to use really good pepper <laughs> and really good mayonnaise. I just love her. She's, she's like, my husband, Jeffrey, in the Hamptons. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I love Ida. She's the best. And her show's like, I mean, I feel like I could binge watch her. They have these arcs and like her friends appear and they yeah. reappear. And like but you put together this picture of her life. Have you? Have you realized that we've never actually seen her feet? She's barefoot Contessa, but have we ever actually seen her feet? Whoa. I've never seen her barefoot, guys. Have Whoa. we ever seen Ina's feet? I do not believe we have. Uh, we're looking to the control room for fact check on this. Nobody. My mind is Nobody blown. seems Man. to have My ever seen Ina blown. Garten's feet. Now I know how we're going to win the next James Beard Award. An expose on Ina Garten's feet. <laughs> Does she even have feet? Is Just, she ever barefoot? Just, Is she an actual contessa? I want to throw that out there. If that happens, I want to host that so I can win yes. the James Beard Award. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thanks. Deal. We have yeah. a deal. Thank you. We will find out the deal with Ina Garten's feet. We'll put your name on it. This is going to be our Watergate. A curry eater joint production. <laughs> I bet she has the best pedicure. I bet she has the most perfect, perfect Hamptons feet. Aside from that, I don't understand what she a must. barefoot contessa is. I don't I guess I don't know what a contessa <laughs> is, right? I know the actual pedantic answer to this question, I, but I'm not going to give it. it because it will make me sound like a jerk. Hear it. Well, no, so this the deal is that she bought the store, the Barefoot Contessa. It already existed and it already had the name. Oh. So she inherited this this name of this specialty food store that she bought in the Hamptons. I am so surprised. Okay. Keep going. Why are you surprised? No, never mind. No. No. Okay. But so she so she bought this store and it was already called the Barefoot Contessa. And I think now here is where I, I'm just gonna sort of make stuff up. I mean, I think the idea is like grounded nobility, right? Like the barefoot contessa yeah. is like the paper bag princess. Yeah. Like, absolutely. That's it's like exactly I'm approachable, how it but I'm also 
definitely I'm better than you. I'm also well yeah. a contessa. A, a contessa. contessa. Like that 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 finally makes it make sense to me. I've always thought that the name never really quite fit her persona. Um but I guess oh, I never it really thought does. about that. Hard. I think it totally yeah. fits her I, it persona. Totally fits, yeah. She is absolutely the embodiment of like she's flawless, but she's real. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I didn't know what a contessa was. So oh, yeah, uh, it's the wife of a count, right? Oh, is yes. that the Count Jeffrey? I think we thought it was something contessa religious. Contessa Ina. Oh my god, I never made that connection that if she's the contessa, he's the count. Jeffrey's oh my the god. count. Spinoff. Count Jeffrey. Yeah. There's this whole royal hierarchy that we have not mm-hmm. really started looking into. Yeah. Well, I think that we've come to this part of the show that we like to call the lightning my, round. My. All right. Yeah. So for today's lightning round, we have a special guest question asker. It is Dan Rubenstein, who you may or may not have seen on various videos on SBNation.com and its assorted video distribution channels like YouTube and stuff like that. Dan, welcome to the Eater Upsell. Hi, Aisha. This is Dan Rubenstein, and I have some lightning round questions for you. One, corner flour tortilla. Flour? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Homemade flour tortillas. Homemade. Like, I don't. Uh, yes, sir. Yes. Man. You can actually buy them um, now and it packaged, but the dough is raw and it takes one minute to. Do you have a tortilla do. press? I don't, but I'm sure somewhere along the way I will give that a try. I feel deeply validated that you said flour. Yeah, I don't. Corn tortillas, unless they're made perfectly, don't make me feel good. Yeah. Flour mm-hmm. has like a, a, a mediocre flour tortilla is better than a mediocre corn tortilla. Agreed. One thousand. I'm not going to I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah. I and plus, I mean, if you're making a burrito or something, you got to you got to get out yeah. the flour tortilla, I think. All right. So the three people on this podcast agree. Flour tortillas. See you later, corn. Please send us hate mail if you disagree. Awesome. Dan, what's next? Two. Best fast food dipping sauce. Chick-fil-A Polynesian sauce. You knew the answer, like, right away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you had this at the ready. Yeah. Yeah. What if there is no Chick-fil-A nearby? Um, I mean, there's no Chick-fil-A in San Francisco, right? Yes. I mean, not in the city, but right 10 minutes from my house. Will you make a special trip It's like the only fast food place I'll eat from, to be completely honest. Have you seen this? Like movement to bring back the Szechuan dipping sauce at McDonald's. No, there's this. I've never tried it. I apparently it existed. Greg, I think Greg knows more about this than I do. Yeah, it was when th- that Disney movie Mulan came out for like <laughs> two months. They had something called Szech- Mulan Szechuan Teriyaki dipping sauce. It's and really weird. <laughs> it went away, and somebody just found a packet of this in a car that they bought. That's really like gross. Car. Mulan came out like in. 99, yeah, 2000. Yeah, it's like tw- 19 years ago, but they found the, this packet in an old car and they put it on eBay and it sold for $14,000. So. The packet of sauce? Yeah. Oh Stop my God. It. So there's some weird cult about this one limited edition. The sauce was still. It was an unopened. I, I don't, I'm not, oh. as, I'm assuming it's not edible, but for somebody. All right, cool. Dan, what's next? Three. Non-knife cooking utensil you'd use as a weapon during the zombie invasion. Um, non-knife? Yeah. A microplane? Whoa. Oh, yeah. Great. That's a vicious Great weapon. those zombies down to a fine mince. Oh, my God. Zombie zest. Zombie dust. I love it. That's, no. I'd, I'd grate them. Yeah. Like, grate their faces. Oh. Just like, Ugh. Yeah. That's the mental picture of that is somewhat off-putting. Zombie pasta, anybody? Like, it's like Batarga, but it's zombie. Yeah, that could be a like new right over the spinoff top. of The Walking Dead, The Cooking Dead. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so repulsed by this mental image, and I'm 
I'm actually or, in awe of you for saying or this. Or I just use my cast iron skillet that comes out in the fall and bash him in the head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like the one-two of that, like cast <laughs> iron skillet to knock him down, mm-hmm. zester to yeah. just make it hurt. They don't stand yeah. a chance. No. All right. I want you on my team. Dan. I used to get picked last, so that's amazing. Four. Best way to reheat pizza. Pan. Oven or microwave or other. Ooh. I have a good one. I have a tip. I have a tip. So take a skillet, put it on the stove on medium heat, put your slice of pizza in the skillet and cover the skillet halfway. So like leave it so that a little air vents out. And in about like three or four minutes, your pizza crust is still um, crispy and the cheese is all melty and it tastes like it's fresh out of the oven. The reason why I don't like doing it in the oven is because you have to wait for the oven to preheat. Um, And that just takes entirely too long. That is a really good tip. Yeah, that's a great strat. I'm going to use News it. Thank you. you can use. Awesome. Well, I feel like well, I've all learned of our lives a lot. have been changed. Yeah. 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 This um, has been one of the most personally transformative episodes of the show ever for all of us, <laughs> I think, right? Like, Amazing. you're walking out a different with, woman. With, yeah, totally different, insightful. Got some tricks Aisha, to try. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. So, I really appreciate it. I have fun with you guys. On Twitter and Instagram, your handle is the same, right? It's yeah, your name. It's just yeah. my name. Awesome. Okay, so if people want to check out your what's going on in your world, that they can do yeah. that there. If they're not one of the four million people who are already doing it, yeah, it's a whatever. fun Instagram. I really Thank like you. It. I like your current obsession with high waisted pants. I'm also I obsessed with them. I love high waisted pants. I have high waisted pants on again today. They're the best. Mm-hmm. They're so comfortable. They hide everything. <laughs> high waisted pants, yes. so good. If you want to check out Aisha's book or TV show or meal kit delivery service or upcoming cookware line. Check her out on various social media channels. Yeah, go to cookhomemade.com. There we go. Awesome. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Aisha. We've said thank you 50 times. Thank you. Yeah, I like you. You can't say it enough. We're just very polite. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're welcome. No, you're welcome. We're never going to end this show. Okay, this is it. Aisha Curry was awesome. We had the best conversation ever. Thank you for listening. If you've made it this far in the episode, you probably like the Eater Upsell, which... Greg and I really, really appreciate it, and I bet Aisha does too. So if you're not already subscribed, please make sure to hit the subscribe button. If you are subscribed, give us a five-star rating on the iTunes store, and regardless of what your answer was to any of those questions, tell your mother, your best friend, and like three or four of your rando Facebook high school high school friends who you have not spoken to in a while how great this podcast is, and tell them that they should subscribe to it. We love you, our listeners, and we love you, Aisha. Thank, Thank you. you for joining us. Thank you for having me. The Eater Upsell is recorded at Vox Media Studios in Manhattan and Los Angeles. Your hosts are me, Helen Rosner, and Greg Morabito, that other guy whose voice you hear on every episode. Our executive producer is Maureen Giannone. Our associate producer and editor is Daniel Janine. Our editorial producer is Monica Burton. Our studio team is Miles Ewell, Alex Ulreich, Paige Bethman, and Stephanie Broderick. And our editor-in-chief and fearless leader is Amanda Clute. But of course, of all of these people, the one who makes all of this possible, without whom none of this could exist, without whom we would just wither and die, is you, dear listener. You. Thank you for listening to what we do here, and thank you for being your beautiful self. <laughs>